Hey, do you like what we do, but want to hear it in Boston? Well, the fucking Avengers, the thing with fucking Chris Evans, you know he went to school around here and shit, right? He fucking grew up around here. Dude, that fucking house in fucking Knives Out Kid that he was in, that's in fucking Weston, Massachusetts. I drove by it. My uncle, my uncle, okay, he's a fucking contractor, all right? He drives a truck. It's got ladders and shit on it, right? He has fucking pictures of Chris Evans working on that fucking movie and that that asshole Ringing Johnson that made that fucking stupid Star Wars movie I hated so much. That guy right yeah he was fucking there too and oh a fucking james bond kid oh shit i fucking saw james bond and shit i had to send a picture of that to my fucking aunt she was like oh my god bring him over here i'm gonna fuck him so fucking hard and i was like auntie we're on a fucking group chat with ma i don't fucking care ma can come over here and fucking fuck him too for all i care and then we went on and on and on and everybody was fucking and now i know too much about my family kid then you should check out this week's sponsor the Chipman Brothers Tangent, talking about literally anything, be it nerd news or the lasting trauma of Catholic school. Chris and Bob Chipman have you covered. Listen to the Chipman Brothers Tangent on your favorite podcasting site today. And welcome to what we are calling bolters. Why are they called bolters? Because they're rapid fire and only last about 24 to 30 minutes. I'm Lord Commander Oric. And I'm a shield brother, Axel Wright. And we don't really have a format for this other than it's kind of like Geeks of Grimdark, but our buckler version of Geeks of Grimdark. So the last time we did it, we just went over some like news. So this time we're going over something a little more, I, I don't know. Uh, esoteric rules general, but we brought a guest, a, a, a long time friend of the the podcast one my one of my absolute best friends wretched hello that is that is me i am him and technically speaking you were essentially our very first geeks of grimdark guest before we even called it geeks of grimdark so you know finger guns yeah so, i was wondering if anyone else would pick up on the symbolism because i kind of planned it like that when i asked wretched like hey do you want to do this thing since you were way back when we did the last thing oh how far we come <laughs> back when we were back when we were all young and beautiful. Plus, Wretched is my primary Warhammer playing friend. I mean, Oric's my well, Oric and Wretched I talk to kind of equally, but I actually get to play games with Wretched, which is no one's fault except geographies. So, yeah. damn United but, States is too damn big. We need less states. I vote we kick Florida out. Anyway, <laughs> so for the <laughs> of course, but then you know they'll make their own country and then they're gonna try to invade us anyway. So, and you want to fight <laughs> Florida Man Army? Disney is going to seize on that in a heartbeat, okay? Yeah, yeah do you want to fight an army of Disney and Florida men? I don't, don't want to fight. That. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's where we're headed. Let's, let's be honest. They come in riding gators, like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we get into it, I believe we still have a patron sound off to do. We do. If you can't tell, this is a new format. We have no idea what we're doing. And fortunately, we can test out these new formats and these new stupid ideas. Is because these people go like, hey, I love their random ramblings. I'm going to give them a dollar. In exchange, we read out their names. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vade, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Jesse Johnson, Donna Lucy, and Nathan Willis. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, get your name right off at the beginning of every episode, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields so you can get access to all sorts of great bonus content and make sure we can keep doing stupid side projects like this because why not? And anyway, so today for our first, like, 
kind of real bolter that's not a news bolter which i kind of like different things we'll come up with another name for that but we are talking about a topic that is relatively contentious among the warhammer fans for good reason which is related to first turn advantage now if you're a player of well really any game actually because even chess has shown to have an issue with something like this and chess is considered to be like the most balanced board game that exists balance my ass hasn't had an update in over a thousand years didn't need one in over a thousand years says you rooks are broken nerf says me (laughs) (laughs) anyway nerf the damn rooks point is that for a long time now i don't know if it's for the entirety of the game i haven't researched back that far but at least the last few editions it's been very well known in the war in warhammer whether it be in age of sigmar fantasy or 40k we're primarily talking about 40k that Gen- that the person who gets their turn first has a higher chance of winning. How high? Well, according to uh, Spiky Bits and Goonhammer, at least, I've looked at a couple other sites, but those are the main ones I look to for statistics like this. The general rate of first turn advantage is 55% versus 45%. And that's across all factions and in data sets of like a couple thousand tournaments over the last couple of years. So, you generally got a 10% differential, so you're a 10% more likely to beat your opponent simply by going first. And Games Workshop's been aware of it because they have done a lot to try and write rules to make it, okay, well, what if we did whoever deploys first, so, you know, maybe you take smaller armies, or here's a stratagem for that, or any number of things. And it's still an issue to the point that at the beginning of 8, Sisters were ridiculously broken because they could alpha strike and just kind of table your opponent in the second turn. Yeah, and uh, no one no one likes to spend the hours that it takes to go build, paint an army, and then show up and get rolled on the first turn and not be able to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's and, like, not how a, lot... a co-op game works. Yeah, mm-hmm. and while I admit that I think that most people get into a faction for aesthetic over anything, uh, not just, like, I just want to win, you still don't want to be crushed constantly. Well, it's not, yeah, it's not that. Like, everybody, when they go and they play, they want to at least win a, a game or two. Like, it's it's not always about winning, but, you know, you don't want to we... end up being the, the guy that's getting rolled literally every game. Like Yeah, Retcha and I actually have a friend, we, we play a lot of Kill Team, and we have a friend, uh, Dan, who has was bigger into it than like we were before we started now. I don't know. The point is Dan's been in a long time and over the course of like a year's games, he had like a 10% win rate in regards to our group. And we were all felt very bad for him. He was actually kind of fine with it, but I will say to be fair on his defense though, was we were all kind of learning. He didn't know that you could take like six plasma on Skatari. Uh, and Deathwatch back then, uh, up until like you know the the newer Prime Nexus was just terrible. Like it, now they're it, just mostly terrible. Uh, well, but actually, now they're actually pretty us... good. I, I guess they uh, they did really well in a couple tournaments. Like just Kill Team, not not nine. Oh okay, I thought I thought like overall editions. I'm like I don't know. I... They've actually been doing. So they've uh, they've been doing. They've gotten in top four in a couple tournaments in the last month, and they got at least number one at one tournament because. Death Watch are right now in ninth, very well suited to taking down Drukari, who are the top dogs on Which the are, yeah, when they've got like a sixty-nine percent win rate or something like that. So like, 
<laughs> like at that one tournament that they won, they went five and zero. I mean, to be fair, he was a really good player, but he was also you know playing a list that was basically a bunch of dreadnoughts supported by you know some like some kill teams. So right. Anyway, yeah, but that brings us. Yeah, but that brings us to I think the thing we were actually talking about before we started, which is the idea of how kill team deals with this. Because if you're if for some reason you're listening to us and you don't actually like play Warhammer, but you just like are interested and you're listening because I don't know, I listen to people talk about stuff I don't do all the time because they're interesting. But in Warhammer in 40k, when the the way rounds work is one player takes their entire turn, and that means I do all my like movement i do all my shooting with all my guys i do all my charging and fighting and i mean they fight back because that fighting's a little special but the the point is that generally speaking you do like your entire turn and then they do their entire turn meaning that if you're going first and you can close the distance on uh to the opponent's army in one turn of movement you can severely cripple uh their army and more importantly you can get on objectives always first and since ninth edition is very objective focused and holding objective focused it gives you this very strong very, advantage yeah and like axel was saying it's uh it's been particularly bad and this is why dracari uh why we keep bringing them up are doing so well right now because they're incredibly fast so they can get to objectives first and they're very deadly and hard they're, they're very sticky models as well for what they are so what that means is if they're on an objective and they've managed to get there before you, you're going to have to work pretty hard to get them off. And because they can get there faster, and if they go first, there's really not. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. Yeah, they just start racking up the points, and then, and well, even if you kill them all, they have a big point advantage that you're just not going to make up. Ninth is in a weird spot because barely anyone's been able to play it, so Games Workshop has no idea how to adjust much well, of that's, anything. That's not really true anymore, Or Yeah, we're, we're Wretched getting... And I, Wretched I was... and I have been keeping track of, like, the tournament statistics over, over 2020 and 2021, and there's quite a few, like, tourneys. I'm going, I mean, yeah, we just they, had a tourney in my town this last week, so... There was, yeah, it was, like, 360 people turned out to that tournament, too. And, like, it was, it was a pretty decent-sized tournament, which... I'm not saying that they don't exist. I'm saying that we went a whole year with no real tournaments for the launch of the initial edition. And that, I don't know how much yeah. tournaments factor into Games Workshop's tweaking of from, how the game play. They, they will do rules, they will do points, but I don't know if they look at this mechanic works versus this mechanic doesn't work. I would say I, they definitely I pay feel attention like they do. to it. The, I, yeah. like, the level at which they pay attention to it might be up for debate, but the fact that you can actually see them making attempts to counter first turn advantage, like yes. they come up with secondaries to try to deal with it, they uh, come up with things like uh, what, what's the word, having the initiative and treating it a little differently, and and the basic fact that kill team is structured differently is an example of I think that they're aware of it, but I I'm not sure like to what degree they're really messing with it. Because the difference in kill team, anyway, is that while you do all your movement first, your shooting and your fighting alternates. Now, your charging is actually mixed with your movement, so that creates a... Like, kill team actually has a pretty different structure when you get right down to it, as much overlap and similarities it has to, to 40k. But that well, idea it, of... Yeah, and it kind of has to. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of alternating what we call activations, which is when you make a unit do a thing... Uh, 
which is more present in Kill Team than it is in Warhammer, is that the kind of thing that you know people talk about online? Should that be ported over into 40K? And if so, to what degree? And from what Ulrich tells us, apparently Age of Sigmar has actually been experimenting with something like this. I don't know, but... I'm not following the latest updates for 3.0, the third edition, because I'm, I'm just I'm not playing Age of Sigmar, but I am hearing people talk about there are ways to seize initiative. They've kind of written it so that even when it's your opponent's turn, you can do things. Right, which those kind of exist in Kill Team. Uh, there are stratagems that, like, uh, I can spend two CP and I get a fight first now. Like, and then you can spend a counter and then we can do a little roll-off. But, like, there are little things in Kill Team that do deal with that. So I'm curious because I, I haven't seen a lot about Age of Sigmar 3.0, especially since it's, you know, very new. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I, I'm curious to see if they added some of those aspects to it to see how that plays out. Like, yeah. And now, I personally, think... let's take a moment here. I think how would the, the game feel? I will admit that my actual ninth edition experience is very limited. I've only done a couple games. I've spent most of my time playing Kill Team. I have watched a lot of battle reports for ninth, and I have read a lot about like ninth matches, which I know isn't the same thing as actually playing. I know Wretched's been getting to actually play ninth edition games with uh, a group where he lives. And I think Ulrich's been like not being able to play either because of, you know, pandemic and whatnot. If I'm, I've got nothing. I've got battle reports. I've read strategies, but I've not put tables to model the table in over a year. So that being said, from what I can tell first turn advantage is much more about objective control than it is about killing. Yes, personally. which is and weird because 8th edition, it really was about destroying your enemy's ability to capture anything in their sec- in their turn. And now it's more like camping out on the objectives and going, mine, come take it. So, Wretched, if you have the most recent hands-on experience, how do you feel about that statement? So I think that's pretty... Um, pretty accurate, especially since they've been making a lot of the, it, we look at what they've been doing to models and they're making them a lot tougher. Like everybody's just getting tougher, which I don't know if that helps fix that problem that I was talking about earlier. And like with ninth being so, I would agree, very objective base. I don't know if making everyone tougher is the best idea. Yeah, it feels like you're doubling down on a problem that already which is just it's just a slugging match over objectives. But, and I'm not yeah. sure how much tactical play I mean, comes into it when it's just get off, this is mine. No, fuck you, this is mine. It's a big then, reason why in ninth edition melee is way more important than shooting because with melee, you can engage an enemy unit, destroy the unit, and take over the objective in one sequence. Whereas with yep. shooting, you got to shoot them, hope you kill all of them, and then wait till the next turn before you can move on to the objective. And one turn's worth of victory points can easily be the difference between victory and defeat. Uh, and so, let's focus was, on a, Sorry, our idea. go ahead. So what we're kind of proposing or playing around with is the idea of maybe a more chess-like sequence of events. Of You would sit down, you would roll for who gets to move first, but it would be individual units... Where you would move your individual units, you, me, I go, you go, I go, you go, I go, and then eventually we'd go to the shooting phase, and it would kind of work in that sense. So you'd have to think more, okay, if I move here and he moves here, is that the best move? Or 
if I shoot. The, I think the tactical possibilities open up, but is it portraying like the general spirit of 40K? Well, this actually creates a question for me, which is, why wasn't it designed that way to begin with? What was the design philosophy behind having one army go entirely first before the other army does anything? I, yeah. I don't... I'm going to guess that it's that way because they're borrowing from the historical war games, which always were your army goes, then my army goes. Then they just kind of poured it like, well, it's a fantasy game. Like Warhammer Fantasy, the progenitor was just, hey, what if we took all our favorite historical games and mashed them together and then put a little fantasy glitter on top? I mean, even even Kill Team doesn't alternate movement. It only alternates like stuff after movement so this yeah, is so, this would be a pretty radical change but the question then becomes we've talked about what is probably like we think about an average game you know whereas right now basically you'd have a, a team move all up onto the objectives instead what you'd have this time is all right the team who goes to get who gets to go first could probably move one unit onto an objective but then that le- means that the other side then gets to go and they could probably move one guy onto an objective closer to them and so you probably have definitely a more even kind of thing and as you said you it, now create you to... hard counters like yeah. all right and you're going to take this objective well i'm going to move two units i'm going to go take the gamble of moving two of my units you know closer to this objective to shoot you and take it off it i don't know i feel like there's it could work i would almost want to play a game like this to see how it worked it creates and i think more reactive gameplay but continue. i yeah i um so having played a little bit of it I personally am kind of for this. Uh, I I've been enjoying Kill Team a lot more than I've been enjoying Ninth. Um, just from that aspect of, well, I don't have to sit there for like 30 minutes while my opponent does what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something we didn't even talk about. The idea of this is supposed to be a game between two people, and you've got one person who has to literally sit there and just wait. And it just you just it whatever happens to you gets to happen to you, and there's but. Uh, I digress. One of the things that I've been seeing against this kind of movement, um, a lot of stuff is it taking away from making like really big, big armies and making Ooh. elite armies a little bit better. And okay. that's one of the big complaints that I keep seeing people bring up where they're like, well, now I don't want to play, you know, my my 200 boy squad or my 200 squads of boys, because why would I do that anymore when like. At this point, I should just be playing like a bunch of knobs. You know what I mean? Well, hold on. Uh, think, about, think, about, think about that for a second. Let's say that me and you were playing, and you have, let's just say it's a combat patrol game, right? And sure. you have five units, and I have three units, right? Mm-hmm. So just because of how it's constructed. And that means that, you know, I go, you go, I go, you go, I go, you go, you go, you go. So having more spread out units then would essentially give you access to kind of what the game currently is even in that new system so i i would agree with that the only problem that people are complaining about is like if we had the same number of units Mm -hmm. uh like or even the i had the extra two if i use like one of my elite units that just shoots more than yours does right i can potentially kill your other two units before they get a turn so you're just out a bunch of points and that's one of like the big complaints that people are bringing up what which doesn't make any sense to me because i feel like that problem is worse in the current setup where if i have a big unit of like 30 boys 
then you can devote like three of oh, your, yeah. and you're going before me, you could devote like three of your units to destroying it before I get to go. Again, so. I don't agree with it. I'm just bringing up what I've been reading. Yeah, like, and that, this is what I'm saying, that like that one doesn't make any sense to me for that particular reason, because like if that is your problem, that is a problem that is worse in the current setup. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that... So I think the there are... Oh, oh sorry. Uh, yeah, I think that the the bigger complaint would still be made to um now instead of us playing you know like a lot more of our infantry i think we'd see a lot more like elite infantry you know what i mean like we'd be seeing a lot more um i think we'd be doubled doubling down on tougher enemies or tougher units to still kind of do the same thing but i feel like i feel like it'd be the other way around in my estimation but go on uh but like that still doesn't fix the inherent problem of like i take my really tough unit and put my put them on an objective and now we sit here i still think it would make the game more fun but like (laughs) what if we did i can't remember the game that does this but as a historical one and act unit activation is a random blind draw and you get more activation points for cheaper lower tier units and the higher tier units, you get less activation. So if you bring a bunch of really kind of mediocre infantry, you have a much higher chance of pulling that one and being able to activate it than you would the elite unit. But the elite unit is more powerful, but you're less likely to be able to activate it. So if Axel was running a bunch of boys and I were running a bunch of custodies, Axel would more likely be able to, you know, go three moves in a row before one of my attacks, but my custody would be more powerful than, you know, his boys. Alternatively, they can borrow the system from Apocalypse, which I never played and I'm struggling to remember, but it did use the you go, I go in the shooting. You got to move everybody and do all that, but shooting and attack was the same phase and it literally was, all right, you get to go, I get to go, you get to go, I get to go, and then damage was resolved at the very end of the phase. So there wasn't shooting anybody off the board without... Uh, I was going to say, I feel like, though, based on what we've talked about, alternating shooting isn't as important as alternating movement. That seems to be the big thing that really right. is at the heart of movement what is... will always be, like, the most... That's why movement speed's important. That's why be, uh, rapid... So- movement is, like, the big thing of 40K, oh. kind of always has. Well, and it's it's been getting a lot more steered towards that, too, I would say. Because if we're looking at, like... The the units and Ed have been getting tables. well. They shrunk the tables. The units that they're kind of putting out. I mean, averse to sisters at the moment. But like, if we look at, they have a whole new unit of now. We have orcs that are on on mounts, right? <laughs> uh, freaking Admech, like they're. It seems like they're really pushing cowboy Admech, which I like that idea. But flyers, <laughs> lots of fast moving stuff. Yeah, like right now. Uh, Thousand Sons, for instance, it, there's no reason to not take duplicity. It is like just the best cult. You can teleport on the map. Like what? This is the best cult. Like everything else is terrible. But that's like a, that's a whole different topic. Uh, <laughs> well, no, it still comes at that idea that like movement is probably the only thing more important than melee at this point. Right. So. Which? What do we think about that? Is that a good place for your war game to be? I think objectives okay i want the war game to be objective based because i think that's way more interesting than just being murder based but 
I think the predominance of location-based objectives yes. is probably needs to be pulled back. I loved 8th edition because it was objective-based, but not all the objectives were go to objective A, uh, 1, 2, however you're numbering it. It was slay the psyker, get first blood, get behind your enemy line, bring this in. There was more options to play and win. It wasn't just go sit on this objective and collect points and just play fast and defensive. And it's funny because the the idea of sitting on the objective, right, has been part of Warhammer for a long time. Hell, it was built into Dawn of War for for that exact reason. And there are objectives in Ninth Plenty, and that there are powerful ones that are not objective-based. One of the reasons why psychic armies are so dicked over right now is the Abhor the Witch uh, the secondary objective is ridiculously Ugh. strong. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think secondary objectives need to be flavorful, be more flavor stuff. It's a minor thing that you kind of do because you want to, not because, well, I'm not getting that objective, so I guess I'm falling back on this. I kind of wish that they would do more like the the little bit of weird stuff than I see in Kill Team again, like bringing that up, where we've got like the, the bounty hunters, and you could be like, if you kill the leader of a squad, right, and then manage to nab the... Or, like, push the other guys away from his his body, you could, like, you could take that as a point, right? Because that would make it so that you wouldn't want to, for my example, right, For in my rubrics, I wouldn't want to put my sorcerer up there to, like, teleport people. I'd want to keep him, like, farther back, right? So I could put the rubrics in front of him to screen and that kind of stuff. I think little things like that would be neat instead of, like, go stand on on the corner over there for four turns and hope for the best, like... I mean, one of the reasons why I think that we can easily point to that being the real issue is look at Gene Steeler Colts. Gene Steeler Colts' entire primary mechanic is ambush, meaning that their entire army is built around the idea of negating first turn advantage. But it doesn't give them objectives. It just lets them not get shot before they can do what they want to do, you know? And yet they still right. are literally the bottom tier army in the game right now yeah that sucks they're a really cool army and they have a really cool i feel like the the way it is right now it is working against thematic play if that makes sense i like what are you about to say i i like the idea that they're releasing these codexes and they're releasing like victory point conditions that are unique to individual factions I think that is really cool, uh, you know, for like crusades and stuff like that. And I think that doing that kind of thing is good. I think asymmetric play is an inherently good idea. It's hard to balance, but so that idea of like the different armies winning based on different sets of conditions far more than right now, where it's just like just tilted sets of conditions, you know? I wholeheartedly agree. It like, especially I haven't actually got to play, um, our campaign yet but like from the games that we've been playing i've played one or two narratives which isn't a lot granted but like i always had a lot more fun playing those than actually playing you know the actual game but granted my bias i like i have a little bit of a bias because everyone that plays me is like well we all take a board the witch and uh, you just gonna you know die and i'm like oh cool yeah i guess i'll just i could roll <laughs> over or something you know but, hey, I can promise you that when we play, I will not be able to take aboard the witch because I'm taking an, uh, either a weird boy or an inquisitor, depending on what army I have. So, 
I mean, honestly, I don't care either way, man. No, I no, just, I'm just uh, making it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but the point is that I, I don't claim to have, like, enough knowledge of game design to really say how to... Because people have been talking about first-turn advantage in Warhammer since bef- well before I ever got into the hobby. It's I've seen a problem every edition that they've been trying to balance and tweak. And, and again, as I said, it's not just a Warhammer problem. Like, the most... One of the most balanced games in the world is Go, right? The Japanese game. And oh, it's, yeah. And it still has first turn advantage. It's like a 4% differential, but it's still there. So. Right. And I, th- I don't think that in any turn-based thing that'll ever go away. I think it's more of like, what do we do to to make the gap smaller? Yeah, because like, incentivize the... people to have, like, have viable strategy for... I don't have first turn advantage. Guess I'll die. Yeah, because yeah. like, what is the the differential we're aiming for? If something like Go or Chess have two to four percent differentials, I think that that's probably too much to aim for because those are symmetric games, not asymmetric games. Ten percent obviously is too much, but I think if you can get to like a seven to five percent differential, what I was gonna say like it feels like when it, if you can get as close to a fifty fifty. And I mean, there will always be tournaments. There will always be high-end play that seeks to break that. Yeah. But when it affects casual play, then I feel like, okay, this isn't working. And that's why I kind of think that, um, again, I agree with the the you go I go method because I I feel like uh, if I'm gonna lose because I didn't go first, I would rather be able to actually like do something than. Yeah then sit there and just kind of watch the other person play the game while I get to just, you know, take whatever they decide to do. And if there is another argument against I go, you go, I would be love to hear it because I think the oh, anti-board yeah. one doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, I feel like in an I go, you go, I still would want to have my blobs of 30 boys. I feel like they actually would be more useful in that situation then. So the survivability, I mean, they might not go, but there's 30 of them. So they're, theoretically would survive an attack more than more than a bunch of attacks aimed at them so yeah so like i'm i'm sure that there are like like wretched said he 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 looked up like arguments beforehand that was the main one he came across and now if that's the main one i feel like it's too weak and at this point then i can imagine the only reason why it's not i go you go is because of uh tradition at the end of the day and kill team has already you know moved away from that so and ninth edition very obviously is trying to roll back in some stuff from Kill Team, like smaller game sizes in general. It's why Combat Patrol's, you know, a thing. And oddly enough, Combat Patrol games are actually shorter than Kill Team games. So I feel like unless someone gives me a better reason, I think this is something that Games Workshop should seriously consider. I I don't expect them ever to hear my words right now, but I can hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I I definitely I think smaller games too are a a decent thing to at least have around too because i remember back in the day when it was like we have 2k games and you know maybe if we're weirdos we're gonna play like a 1k game (laughs) it's funny also side side note it's funny side note we found out that ulrich is long because Ulrich got into it what seventh edition you said something like that yeah yeah so he's he kept talking about uh 1.5k games and I was like, why? And he said, because that's been the standard for as long as I've known. And so I looked it up, and I was like, okay, in 7th edition, Warhammer World Events standard was 1.5. But 8th and 9th edition, they're 2K. And then WG, a friend of ours in the Discord, was like, I've been playing since 5th and 6th, and they were 2K then. So I have no idea why 7th edition was 1.5. But 
Right. It was weird to me. I'm like, wait, I always wanted to push past this, but everyone's like, oh, we're just going to do 1,500 points? Yeah, 1,500 points. That's the standard one. I'm like, okay, I, I guess that's that, that's standard. And now everyone's like, no, what is with you, you weirdo? No, it's been bigger than that forever. Like, why did no one tell me? Yeah, I think it's just it's just because you came in on seventh. It was just a weird thing. Yeah, that it was a, when you when you joined in the weird spot, and like it doesn't help too the the way that additions are spread out. I feel I, like, but that that's another topic because like Codex Power Creep is such a weird Ooh, a weird to thing to deal that. with. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's another conversation we can have. But we've been talking for I think about half an 40 hour. Forty minutes. <laughs> oh, well, no, because the first the first bit of that was planning, and that's gonna get that's shot. fair. So. Unless you're a patron, then you get to hear the whole thing. Hey, finger guns. Anyway, so I think that means uh, <laughs> about time to – or finger bolt guns, I guess. Anyway, time to uh, wrap up. And so before uh, – thank you again, Retro, for coming to talk to us. I mean, I talk to you all the time, but thank you for coming on the show to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, anytime, dude. If I can make the time, I'd love to come on here and talk more with you guys. Oh, we don't get you on more. Unfortunately, time is a finite bastard. Yes, True. it is. All right, you want to take us in our outro? Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling us that you wanted more of this. And be sure to share this with, you know, other people and going, hey, I helped inspire this. And with, whether you're sharing it through SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, thank you. I, I know that we've had a few other recommendations. Not, I mean, I think I heard like iTunes at one point, but there's some problems with that. But if there's any other platform you want us to be on, tell us what it is, and we'll look into it when we got the time. That elusive bitch time. So... As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright.